If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Let's start off the show with this comment from Dr. Nose. They say, why is it easier to get our hands on Nintendo hardware when you're comparing it to Xbox or PlayStation hardware, even though Nintendo is outselling the others? And I want to say, first off, thanks for the comment. If you guys leave comments either on the YouTube channel or at me on Twitter, uh, sometimes I will reply to those in the show. So thank you very much for that. Uh, secondly, I want to say that I'm just a nerd in his attic like anybody else. So take everything that I'm going to say here with a grain of salt. I don't know the answer, but here's my guess. Uh, actually, before we even get to my guess, uh, we have to talk about the idea that maybe the whole reason that Nintendo is outselling the others is because you can get them. Like right now, you can't get an Xbox, you can't get a PlayStation, so therefore they can't really have a super high sell-through rate. And right now you can get a Nintendo Switch, so people are buying what they have access to buy. Uh, for instance, the number one seller, I believe, on Black Friday of last year was the Xbox Series S. So it makes sense that why was the Xbox Series S the number one seller? Because a lot of people already have a Nintendo Switch. Nobody could get a Series X or a, or a PS5. And so the Series S was the thing that people bought on Black Friday for either themselves or the people in their lives that love video games. So why is it that Nintendo is able to keep these devices on shelves when the others are struggling to do so? And like I said, I don't have the answer, but I'm going to make a guess. And I'm going to guess that it has to do with the hardware that is in the devices. The Nintendo Switch was using dated hardware when it came out almost five years ago at the time that I'm rec recording this. And that means that that dated hardware, it was dated at the time, and now it's five years plus dated. So the competition for those chips is probably pretty low. I'm guessing that that's probably the reason why Nintendo did not launch a new Switch. I know that they launched an OLED Switch and Dr. Nose got their hands on an OLED Switch. Lucky you. But a lot of us were expecting a Switch Pro or something more powerful, not just a better screen. But maybe Nintendo decided against that because they know that the chip shortage is going to cause them all kinds of problems, especially with newer chips. So they say, forget it. We'll just stick with what we have, ride it out, and let our franchises carry our hardware forward. Keep in mind that uh, in a previous episode, I can't remember when, but uh, Shintaro Furukawa, who is the president of Nintendo, he recently told, I think it was investors, or maybe it was an interview, doesn't matter. He said, look, we don't think that we've got enough stuff for post-Black Friday sales. We don't think that we have enough for 2022 they are anticipating running into those same issues that Microsoft and Sony have been dealing with for the past year. And not just them, but everybody. Everybody who makes computer chip stuff are running into that issue. So 
Nintendo is not immune to it, but it seems like based on the hardware that they have, and uh, I think that what has really happened is they've saved themselves from having to deal with it so far. And finally, everything's catching up with them. Speaking of Nintendo, let's talk about a JRPG that just came out at the end of last year, Shin Megami Tensei V. Before I talk about uh, how it's doing, I want to talk really quickly about a little historical information just to put everything that I'm going to say about the game in perspective. Uh, first off, I've not played it. It's definitely on my wish list, although it's a JRPG and I know my track record with finishing those games, so maybe, maybe not. Uh, but it's definitely something that I'm interested in playing. And it seems like I'm not the only one. Uh, Shin Megami Tensei 5 is doing very, very well. Better than all other Shin Megami Tensei games before. So, historically, how do they do? Well, let's just look at Shin Megami Tensei 4, which was a 3DS game. The 3DS had a worldwide lifetime sales. I think it was like 76 million units, which is pretty impressive. Uh, nothing to shake a stick at there. And on that system the attach rate of Shin Megami Tensei 4 was around 600,000 units lifetime sales, which sounds pretty abysmal. But you also have to remember that this is a series that is very, very popular in Japan and outside of Japan, not super popular, which is why it is so impressive that Shin Megami Tensei 5, in just a couple of months, has already sold over a million units. And somebody might say, well, a million units really doesn't sound all that impressive when you have a hundred million Nintendo Switches out there. And you're right, but when you look at the series in the past, being incredibly popular in Japan, but outside of Japan kind of fizzling, the fact that it sold has a 1% attach rate with the Nintendo Switch is actually very impressive. And Atlas, I'm sure, is very excited about this. So, I fully expect that we will continue to see more from the series. And it also tells me that there's a lot of interest out there for games that previously have not been marketed all that much outside of Japan. In fact, I would I would venture a guess that most people who, maybe not most people that listen to this show, but most gamers, if you told them, hey, I just picked up the new Shin Megami Tensei game, they'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I think a million in just a couple of months is very, very impressive for a series that is usually fairly low performing outside of Japan. Last episode, I spent a lot of time talking about Square Enix and Final Fantasy games. Uh, so I don't want to dwell on this, but there was one very interesting piece of information that came from an interview with Mr. Yoshinori Katase. If you don't know who that is, he is the producer of Final Fantasy VII Remake, and he said we should see an expansion into that game in 2022. Here's what I'm interested in. In the original Final Fantasy VII, a very small portion of the game takes place in the city of Midgar, but Final Fantasy VII Remake, like, that, that game is all in Midgar. The game pretty much ends, spoilers, when you leave Midgar which means that part two will pick up where that left off and we'll be able to continue the story that took place in the original game. So here's my question. The expansion, and that word, maybe it's poor translation, I don't know. The expansion of this world 
Does that mean that we're talking about more DLC that's coming for Final Fantasy VII Remake? Or does that mean that we're looking at part two of Final Fantasy VII Remake? I know that there were people waiting for Final Fantasy VII Remake for a really long time. Square Enix teased it, and then they brought it back a, like another year and teased it, and they brought it back another year and teased it, and then they didn't talk about it for a couple years, and then it was finally out. And so the idea that they have been working on part two all this time since part one came out, I mean, they've been working on it a lot longer than that. And there's a lot of assets that they can reuse. So are we going to be seeing part two? I assumed, maybe foolishly, that part one would come out and then the next year part two would come out and the next year that part three would come out. That's kind of what you expect when you talk about an episodic game. And Final Fantasy VII Remake is episodic. And, you know, say what you will about that. It doesn't bother me at all because it's plenty of game for me. But the idea that it's episodic, but the games are coming out years and years apart has got to be incredibly frustrating. Anyway, what do you think it is? Do you think that we're looking at part two, or do you think he's talking about more DLC? Let me know down below. This next story I find very interesting to me and also a little upsetting. And here's why. Um, Oculus Quest 2, or I guess what it's now called Meta Quest 2, ew. Um, it was like a very, very big seller this year. Now we don't know how many it sold, uh, Facebook isn't telling us or Oculus isn't telling us or Meta isn't telling us whoever it is that they want you to call them. They're not telling us how many they sold. But if you look at U.S. App Store app downloads, the Oculus uh, software, is it called Oculus still? Yeah, it's still called Oculus software. Uh, It saw a huge number of downloads. And so it's pretty safe to say that it sold really, really well. And why would this bother me? Well, two reasons. Number one, I don't like Facebook. They're bad. Evil Facebook. Two, I really want one. But I don't want to buy one yet. The Oculus Quest 2 has been out for a while now. And I am worried that if I go out and buy one, that they're going to bring out the three right after I buy it. Now, I've used one. My son bought one. He saved up his own money and bought an Oculus Quest 2. And it is the first VR experience that I had ever had. I put it on and I was floored at how cool it was. It's incredibly cool. And I would love to have my own, but I don't want to spend the money on the two when the three could be right around the corner. And if it's selling really well, then the chances of the three being right around the corner it's going to be less likely to happen. And so it means that I'm going to have to just keep waiting because I refuse to buy myself an Oculus Quest 2 because I know as soon as I do, the 3 will come out. But as soon as the 3 comes out, I want to buy one right away. So then I am on the, the, the leading edge of VR because everything that I've done with VR has been really, really cool. I played Tabletop Simulator with it and I was sitting at a table with other people and we were playing games on a tabletop together, which sounds stupid, but when you're using it, 
it is incredibly cool and immersive and awesome. And I got to be honest, my son has an Oculus Quest 2, a Nintendo Switch, and a PS5. He uses the Oculus more than anything else. It's like his favorite thing. So uh, I definitely want one, but I'm going to wait. And if you guys keep buying them, then they're just going to keep selling them and they're not going to make the third one. So stop buying them so that we can get the third one. Okay. Let me just say, <clears throat> I've never been anybody, who, uh, a person who cares about achievements. I find achievements to be actually a little irritating when I'm playing a game and it pops up and distracts me from what's happening on the screen. I would prefer that achievements are never told to me unless I go looking. I think that that would be better for me as a gamer. But I also know that I'm in the minority and a lot of people really, really do care about achievements enough so that they will go out and, and like deep dive into achievements just to figure out what kind of things you can do in a game, which is awesome. That's great things for different people. It's just not for me. However, this is very interesting. Recently, people were looking through achievements and they found, uh, thanks to Wario64 for tweeting this, uh, they found achievements for GoldenEye 007. Now, if you don't know what GoldenEye 007 was, it was a game on the N64 back in the day, a James Bond game. And by all accounts, it was absolutely fantastic. It was like the first console first person shooter that you could really play. And I think everybody, myself included, assumed for a really long time that there was no way we were ever going to get another version of this game because all of the licensing rights are tied up. Well, Wario 64 recently found what looks like some achievements for GoldenEye for the uh, Xbox. So if you're wondering, how's that gonna happen? Well, the game was made by Rare and Rare was purchased by Microsoft. So Microsoft owns Rare. And if Microsoft owns Rare, it doesn't mean that they own the rights to making James Bond, but that does mean that they own the rights to that game if they can get the, the James Bond video game rights holder, whoever that may be, to say, yeah, go ahead, you're fine. And if we're finding achievements for that game on, you know, like deep diving stuff like that, then it, it's, I don't want to say safe to say, but it's a little safer to say that we're probably going to be seeing a GoldenEye 007 either remake or a re-release of the original on the Xbox. And I think that that is really cool, especially because it is a very widely beloved game that people just dumped hours upon hours into. And there's a whole lot of people like myself that never really got a chance to experience that because when I had an N64, I couldn't afford to buy every game that came out. And so I had Mario and Zelda and a baseball game. And that was pretty much it. So, oh, and Blast Core. Uh, that, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, I never got to play James Bond 007 on, or GoldenEye 007 on the N64. So now I'll be able to on the Xbox if this rumor turns out to be true. Speaking of rumors, God of War Ragnarok is looking to be re not released soon, but we'll probably find out the release date soon. And here's the reason why. Uh, the ESRB which is the Electronics Rating, so the Electronic Software Ratings Board, 
Uh, they're the ones who decide if a game is like E for everyone or T or M or whatever. The Saudi Arabian version of the ESRB recently raided God of War Ragnarok. And this tends to get, like these kind of leaks tend to happen a few months either before the release date is revealed or a few months before the game is actually released, de depending on how the publisher wants to uh, tee up launch dates and stuff like that. So I think it's safe to say that the people who like the PlayStation fans who, you know, the thing that they always talk about is exclusives, the, the exclusives that they have. I think that a lot of them are in for the treat that a lot of them have been waiting for. And that's the new God of War game, which is supposed to feature Thor and looks really, really cool. I did play God of War on the PS4 and I thought it was really good what I did play of it. But of course, shiny things distract me and I never got back to it. Um, are you super hyped for God of War Ragnarok? Is this a game that you're waiting for? Can you not grab it because you don't have a PS5? Let me know in the comments down below. If you've heard me talk about Sonic at any time, you know that I love 2D Sonic, not a fan of 3D Sonic. And I talked pre previously or recently about Sonic Frontiers, how it's supposed to possibly be coming out in November, maybe a placeholder, maybe just a rumor, we don't know yet. Uh, but originally, the game was supposed to come out last year on Sonic the Hedgehog's 30th anniversary. Now, that didn't happen because the Sonic team decided instead to postpone the launch and make the game better because they didn't want to launch something that was going to disappoint fans. And I think that that's really good and commendable. And I want to say, just take all the time that you need and get it right. My personal expectations for this game are really, really low. And that's not because I don't think that the Sonic team can do good work because they've done fantastic work with games like Sonic Mania. But I struggle to... The, Sonic is all about speed. And in a 3D environment, that is difficult to really showcase, I think. And so because of that, 3D Sonic games are always kind of either take the take the controls away from the player so that you can really appreciate that speed or infuriating to control because you're moving too fast to really equivocate. So hopefully the Sonic team can nail Sonic Frontiers and make an open world Sonic game, an open world 3D Sonic game just absolutely awesome but my personal expectations are pretty low so it's going to be pretty easy for them to clear that bar that being said i really like that they decided to take the game and instead of hitting that 30 year anniversary which would but it would have been a really really cool thing to do delay it a year and make the game that much better because as everybody's always heard people say before i'd prefer to have a game that's delayed and great than rushed and terrible. Now, some of you may or may not know that I'm a big fan of cloud gaming. That is gaming where the hardware is not here in my house, but in a data center somewhere, and the game is streamed to me as I'm playing it. Uh, think GeForce Now or Google Stadia or Xbox Cloud Gaming or Amazon Luna or any other number of different cloud gaming services. I tend to mostly focus on Stadia and GeForce Now 
uh, as is uh, Samsung. They just announced they have this new Game Hub software that's coming with their TVs that is already set up for GeForce Now and Stadia. I completely foresee Xbox and Luna jumping in on that stuff too, and more TVs in the future being able to launch with all of this cloud gaming stuff built in what I really want to see is TVs that come with controllers. So if I go to the store and buy a new TV for my house, it comes with a controller and I can just start playing games right there without downloading anything. Uh, I think that that's definitely something that we're going to see a lot more of uh, in the future. Samsung is obviously not the first people to do this. LG did it before with Google Stadia. They have some built-in support for Stadia on just certain TVs that came out this year. But as as the years keep rolling on, the number of TVs that are going to come out that have all of this cloud stuff just built right in is going to increase. And I think I think that that is going to spell the end of having a box under your TV for most people. Is it going to be that way for everybody? No, there's still plenty of people out there that buy Blu-rays. I haven't bought a Blu-ray in years because I don't need them. I tend to just watch my movies digitally. Is that the best way to play those, to, to watch those movies? Absolutely not. Is it the best way to play games in the cloud? Absolutely not. But it works really well, and most people really just don't care about the difference. And while right now it's not super widely accepted, it's definitely going to get more traction as time goes on. By the way, speaking of cloud gaming, if you did not know, I host StadiaCast with my buddy Lloyd. We talk every single week about what's going on with Google Stadia. So make sure that you subscribe to that as well if you haven't already. All right, everybody, that's it for this episode. If you're watching this on my YouTube channel, right over there is the next video. Make sure you watch that. Also, leave a comment down below and hit me up on Twitter if there's anything that you want to talk about. Thanks for watching. I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.